0: Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome back, my listener friends. I'm excited to be recording new podcast episodes for you again. We took a break for the holidays and New Year and are back now. I'm looking forward to sharing many important, fun, and interesting topics for this second season. We're going to cover things like marijuana, self-worth, eco-anxiety, nutritional psychiatry, fertility preservation, and much, much more. While we've been on this short break, I was actually working on an important and interesting project, an online fellowship in reproductive and integrative psychiatry, this is an online program that I created for clinicians who are interested in this interface between reproductive and integrative mental health. If you are a clinician, whether a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychotherapist, obstetrician, a nurse midwife, nurse practitioner, if you are any kind of clinician who works with women at that interface between reproductive and integrative health and wellness, and you're interested in learning more, please go to www.psychiatryfellowship.com, where you can learn more, including taking a look at the comprehensive curriculum that's available. Now, today's episode of the podcast, Back to the Podcast, is on the topic of ADHD in women and the challenges of this diagnosis. My area of expertise is women's mental health, so I tend to often focus on conditions like anxiety and depression and bipolar disorder in women. What I've found, though, is that ADHD is often lurking as well because it can present differently in women, and it can impact these other conditions, and can also be affected by hormones. In this episode, I'm going to share four important facts to help dissolve some of the common myths about ADHD in women. Number one, underdiagnosis and misdiagnosis. Misdiagnosis or missed diagnosis can often happen in women because ADHD can present differently in women. There are often high-functioning professional women that I work with and they are often told that they can't have ADHD. For example, I was working with a patient of mine and she has a doctorate degree. She has a PhD and she actually shared with me that A prior doctor told her she can't possibly even have ADHD because she completed her PhD. And that's just not true. There's often misdiagnosis or misdiagnoses of ADHD in women. There's also a sense of stigma. There can be a belief or a stereotype that an individual is lazy or stupid because of some difficulty with attention that they may have had as a child. There's often not as much hyperactivity in young girls as there is in young boys with ADHD. It's often observed to be someone who might be daydreaming in class, for example, and that can be labeled as just not paying attention or lazy or stupid, as opposed to actually evaluating and assessing for a potential ADHD diagnosis. It's interesting because the difference in ADHD prevalence between the genders is much more significant in childhood. It's anywhere from one and a half to two and a half times more common in young boys, but in adulthood, it's actually much closer to 50-50. And ADHD is more than just difficulty with school and college. It can actually make it harder professionally to stay organized and be punctual. It can mean more energy and effort needs to be put into the same activity. For example, I had one patient who had a hard time paying attention in meetings, and so she had to record every single one of those meetings and listen to them back. That takes a lot of additional time that someone else without that diagnosis might not necessarily need to take. It could also impact social relationships. What would you think of a chronically late friend or someone who forgets to respond to your messages? or someone whose impulsivity might lead to fights and arguments, or someone who's hard to talk to because they forget their train of thought. All of those things are examples of ways that ADHD can impact social interactions and relationships and make that more challenging. Because of this, it's often associated with other psychological challenges, like low self-esteem or anxiety and depression. This leads us to the next fact. ADHD is often associated with other mental health conditions in women. There's an interplay between the other conditions. I often actually work with women who have a combination of anxiety and ADHD, and it's almost like it's two sides of the same coin. For example, the symptoms of anxiety can lead to increases in distraction, and that can lead to challenges with focus and concentration. And then it goes in the other direction as well. Active symptoms of ADHD can make it harder to accomplish tasks, can lead to more overwhelm and increase symptoms of anxiety. Each one can sometimes fuel the other. I also have several patients with, for example, bipolar disorder and ADHD, and it can sometimes be challenging to know the difference between symptoms, for example, impulsivity. If someone is experiencing impulsivity, is that because of their ADHD or is that a symptom of their bipolar illness? It can sometimes be hard to tell the difference, and it's important to tease those things apart. One of the best ways to diagnose is to treat the anxiety or bipolar symptoms or whichever additional mental health condition is taking place as much as possible and then see what remains. What are some of the Leftover symptoms, and can we attribute those to ADHD? ADHD is, in fact, a clinical diagnosis, but it can sometimes be made easier with certain types of neuropsychological testing. Let's jump to number three the fact that hormones can impact ADHD and vice versa. I actually have a number of patients presenting with worse symptoms of ADHD in perimenopause or their symptoms of ADHD can sometimes worsen premenstrually. There was an interesting 2021 study in the Journal of Psychiatric Research that looked at the link between hormonal conditions like PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and PPD, postpartum depression, with ADHD. And they had over 200 women with ADHD and found actually much higher rates Of PMDD at 45% and PPD at 58%, compared to the regular baseline in the general population of 15 to 20%. And they also found more perimenopausal symptoms. The authors suggested that the underlying mechanism explaining this is that women with ADHD have overall reduced brain dopamine, which might make them vulnerable to these kinds of hormonal mental health conditions. And as we've previously talked about, It can work vice versa as well, where hormonal shifts can lead to worse ADHD symptoms during certain cycles. And finally, that leads us to number four, that treating pregnant patients with ADHD can have its own host of challenges. I see many patients with ADHD in pregnancy, and the symptoms can be quite significant. A 2019 article in the Journal of Attention Disorders showed how ADHD symptoms in pregnancy impact women's personal and professional lives, particularly the symptoms of inattention and impulsivity. And we've talked about a few examples of that, the way that impulsivity can make it challenging to have an appropriate interaction, perhaps with your boss at work, or that inattention can make it difficult to have an engaging conversation with your partner at home. These symptoms of ADHD make it more difficult in both personal and professional spheres. Now, there are a lot of different types of treatment options for ADHD, but one of the ones that comes up a lot and one of the reasons a lot of patients seek out my guidance is for recommendations around the safety of taking stimulant medications in pregnancy. Now, we're not going to have the opportunity to do a full review Of the reproductive safety of stimulant medications in this episode, but I will generally say that it's an individual risk-benefit decision, and I've had many women choose to continue their medication during pregnancy. There are also some risks to stopping sometimes. For example, those risks could be professional. I have one patient who works as an emergency room physician. And when she's not taking her medication, she can often make mistakes with patients and patient care. Or the risks could be personal. For example, I have multiple patients who, when they're not taking their medication and their ADHD symptoms are high, they get into continual fender benders because they're not able to pay attention during driving. And it's not that they're dozing off or daydreaming during the driving. But a really common marker of ADHD is jumping ahead to the next task before finishing the previous one, which is why, if, for example, you're at the very end of your drive, you're about to park your vehicle, your mind has already shifted attention, and that's when the fender benders often take place. So, of course, those things can be dangerous, and there's risks to discontinuing medication if the symptoms of ADHD are quite significant. The conclusion here is that ADHD is more common in young girls and women than many think and can present in ways that can often lead to misdiagnosis. Interestingly, I will also add that this is something that I see quite a bit more with my patients who are a little bit older, at least in their 40s or 50s, because again, if we go back in time to when these individuals were children, ADHD in women was even less recognized and even more misdiagnosed and misrecognized than it is today. The point is that it can lead to misdiagnosis, and it's often associated with other mental health conditions that also need to be addressed. There's an association between ADHD and hormonal conditions, and it can be challenging but also really important to treat ADHD in pregnancy, whether that's with medication. With certain kinds of executive skills and ADHD coaching, with certain kinds of supplements, or many other kinds of treatment options that are available. I would like to just emphasize the fact that ADHD is a clinical diagnosis that in women can present differently. Be sure to connect with the right clinician for you to assess whether or not this is something that's impacting your mental health. Or are some of the symptoms that you're describing in terms of lack of attention, or distraction, could those be better explained by other mental health symptoms that also need to be treated, such as depression or anxiety. The point being that it's really important to work with a clinician who's able to carefully have a thorough conversation with you about your symptoms and be able to guide you through an effective treatment plan. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.